down the concepts. And the five-week engagement that we talked about, I'm mm -hmm. going to take that five-week engagement and put it into a digital course. Radio show, man. They everywhere. All right, y'all. We're tuned in for another episode via Zoom of Bake That Radio Show. I am your host, Andreas, and I have on with us Miss Cherie Prince, who is an attorney. Ooh. I love talking to uh, attorneys because y'all just have a different way of looking at things from, you know, because it's from like a legal perspective. Um, and Miss Prince, I mean, she loves dealing with entrepreneurs and have all this wonderful information that we're going to get into. But today, we're going to focus this episode around the entrepreneurship and estate planning, creating a lasting legacy. Um, when I know that uh, for the was it last couple of years or so, through social media and all these other different platforms, legacy is like a hot-button topic, right? And creating a legacy and what that is. So, Prince... Or, you know, Cherie, whichever, you know, you prefer. Cherie is fine. Okay. Um, tell us, you know, a little background into, because I, I was reading over your bio, and I know you got your MBA, mm -hmm. um, but you didn't want to just stop there. You know, business savvy is one thing, but then also the legal uh, information that goes with that. I think it makes you a very well-pronged person and ready for a lot of stuff. So what was it that inspired you to like really get into law? Really necessity. Um, I grew up with my grandparents and my aunt. Um, from a child, my mother had been sick and my brother and I just kind of floated around from family member to family member's house until mm. my mom passed away at 16. Mm. Um, her parents were very, you know, entrepreneurial minded, even though at the time I didn't actually know what that word meant. So I grew up on a 150 plus acre farm. We mm -hmm. picked watermelons, potatoes, peanuts, corn. I mean, you name it. I've even been in the cotton field. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just kind of growing up around that. Well, fast forward, 16, my mom passes away. Mm -hmm. In my early 20s, both of my grandparents pass away. And oh, they wow. passed away without a will or a trust. Ooh, and so that's hard. Hey y'all, it's Andreas with Baked Out Radio Show, Baked Out Marketing. If you're trying to market your business on a budget, we got you covered. We got our Pick 2 or Pick 4 holiday special going on. You can pick from having an interview done, getting your business tagged, having a write-up on your business, a 31 Savage collaboration. You know everybody love a Savage, having merchandise, brand collaboration opportunities, commercial inserted into our interviews or guess what if you don't have a commercial we got you covered 30 seconds baby i gotta do give us a call 478-388-0208 or you can reach out via email bankedoutradioshow at gmail.com that's banked out with two t's baby Yeah, very hard. Um, and by this time, I had my MBA. And I really, even though I'm an attorney, I consider myself as a business person with a law degree. Mm, and, okay. you know, I have an active law practice. But primarily what I do is I try to help people position themselves, um, whether you have a business or not, position mm. themselves for legacy and generational wealth for future generations. Mm. And also to kind of show them how to protect what they have from creditors. Now, mm. 
you know, one famous line that I use a lot is it doesn't matter if your account is negative every single day that you live. There are things that you can do through vehicles like insurance and other things that will ensure a legacy once you pass. So I try to catch people as early as possible to show them how to protect their assets and leave a legacy. So what's like the top three things that people have a misnomer about when it comes to building a legacy? Okay. Um, the first thing is that I don't have enough assets. Okay. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you have today. It's kind of like um, when you get ready to get married. You know, you may start off with very modest beginnings. But what happens once you start building things up? Mm -hmm. I teach people a lot of mindset. You know, mm -hmm. when you acquire an asset, you don't wait until you buy the asset to figure out how to protect it. You already have a plan in mind. Mm -hmm. So I teach people the mindset portion. It doesn't matter what you have. You still need the infrastructure in case mm -hmm. you have influx or, you know, as you're blessed throughout your life. Mm -hmm. Number two um, is that, you know, when I'm dead, I don't need it anyway. Well, that's, the you know, a lot of people think about that. Once they're mm -hmm. gone, they really don't think about other generations. And, that's a misnomer because there are things that you can do in your lifetime, even without the help of attorneys or accountants or CPAs, that can set your heirs up for generations to come. And it's very easy to do. And it kind of takes us into number three, which is it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. I teach people on a weekly basis for free through workshops how to do things right now with professionals who may be commission-based or they may be fee-based for a very low fee. Um, and you can do some things yourself as well um, through public resources and just creativity within your family. So um, <clears throat> why do you think people have this misconception of they should like, you know, wait until they build assets or, you know, uh, where, where do you think that stems from? Is that just lack of education? Is it a, uh, some stereotypical thought process or it's a combination or we just don't talk about it enough in society? I think it's some of all of it. Um, you know, had my grandparents not passed away um, without a will, I don't know that I'd actually even be doing this because the mm -hmm. truth is after that happened, um, my grandparents had five children. Mm -hmm. My mother passed away. And so we were stuck with the task of dividing up over 150 acres worth of land and personal assets. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know about your family, mm -hmm. but my family couldn't really get along. And I think a lot of people fairly falls in our category. <laughs> right. So we had, we had some shenanigans. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And with the shenanigans, it really prompted me <clears throat> to study more. And mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what was going on. And that that's really what pushed me to go to law school. I didn't start law school until, you know, I'd already had a career in real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a mortgage company. I was a real estate broker. And so mm -hmm. law school was not my first choice. Mm -hmm. uh, it really was not. But after dealing with my family and just kind of seeing how the issue of air property not only affected my family, but other families, I was really encouraged to help other people. So then why focus in with uh, entrepreneurs? Because um, I'm like, you had a mortgage company, in real estate. You could have just been, you know, working with high-end clientele and things of that nature. Why focus on like, you know, small entrepreneur starting their business? Same foundation. Um, 
as an individual, there are certain things that I can do as a sole proprietor to earn income. Mm-hmm. I may not know just by maybe setting up a simple LLC, I have all mm-hmm. these other tax advantages that are available to me. By mm-hmm. setting up a irrevocable trust, I can mm-hmm. shield myself from creditors. So I really want to work with entrepreneurs because I feel like with any estate plan, there has to be some sort of business component for three reasons. For the mm-hmm. tax benefits, to shield your um, your wealth and your assets from creditors, and also to leave a legacy. So I really feel like that's the next evolution in legacy building. And it doesn't have to be that you own Amazon or Microsoft or Walmart, but there are structures that I help people put in place that are easy to work through, that are not complicated, that set them up for success. Okay, so how do you uh, handle people like, well, you know, I got my LLC or whatever, and I did the filing online and stuff like that, as you know, people can do. I don't really need a you know plan for asset protection. They think it's already protected. One, if people fight for their limitations, I let them keep them. Keep them. Mm-hmm. I offer them resources. You know, some people you can help and some people you can't help. But mm-hmm. for those that I can help, um, I really try to give them alternatives. For mm-hmm. instance, if somebody tells me that they have a business, okay, you have a business. How many entities do you have? And they're like, well, I have an LLC and I'm running five companies out of my LLC. Ooh. Right. I'm <laughs> okay. So can I just go ahead and say, I know from that, like say if they're sued, they can sue all five of them because they follow up under the same LLC name and they're not separated. That's if you all separate out my stuff because I might end up doing something to where people don't like you or whatever. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I literally have a client right now that has a judgment um, because they put a lot of assets in one LLC and now it's affecting every single asset in that LLC. Mm-hmm. And some of the, you know, the businesses are unrelated. And so I tell people, if you are really in business, I like to start with a three entity structure, mm-hmm. three entities. You know, it's kind of like having a house. You have your frame and then you have your foundation and then you have the walls of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three structures, I mean, those three entities could be a couple of things. Usually, if you are an individual um, that owns a business, you may have a trust. Mm-hmm. And the trust may own your holding company. And then the holding company, of course, holds all of your in- different operating companies. So mm-hmm. there are about three or four different um, formats that I use to get people started. But if mm-hmm. you have a business and you have less than three entities for one business, there is a problem. You're not properly protected. Insurance does not cover everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're really leaving money on the table. Yeah. Okay, so... Let's see here. I, uh, I love some of your uh, questions and stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, you actually answered that one. I was going to ask about the critical uh, um, importance of asset protection, but that's what you're saying. So, okay. So, how do you approach the balance between legal protections and business growth for for entrepreneurs? Great question. Um, because it's so individual. Kind of like you need a village to raise a child. You also Mm -hmm. need a village to grow a business. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I try to do, because I don't work in a vacuum, 
Um, hopefully, whoever I'm working with, you already have someone who is preparing your taxes and you already have someone that maybe you're banking with or a financial advisor. And so part of what I try to do is bring that team together because we need to be talking about, you know, what we're all doing in our silos. So I can't be in a corner making, you know, legal plans because some of my legal plans may interrupt your tax planning. So I really, you know, start with that team and, you know, work an individual plan for each person. So if someone comes to you and they're trying to like restructure or try to structure properly, how long of a process would they need to work with you initially? I guess, you know, where you're communicating frequently. Um, is that like a two-month process, a five-month process, a 10-month process? So I do a couple of things. Um, I am licensed in Mississippi, um, mm -hmm. certain things. So if you need legal help from me, it's really going to depend on where you're located at. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I have a coaching program that I actually coach you and work with your professionals in other states, and you don't need a license for that. Um, each person's plan is individual, but the mm -hmm. shortest amount of time that I work with somebody is about five weeks. I have a five-week program, a coaching program, that can take you from A to Z and build a blueprint for you. Mm -hmm. Now, what is a blueprint? It's like a set of plans for a house. You still have other steps to take once you get the blueprint. So depending mm -hmm. on how much assistance you need from me, you know, mm -hmm. okay, now you have the blueprint. Well, do you need the sheetrock? Do you need the paint? Do you need the, you know, the shingles? And so, but minimally five weeks. Okay. So uh, how long have you actually been like, you know, really coaching and advising people in the business realm? I have been doing coaching in other states for almost two years. Um, I've been licensed as an attorney for about 12 years. And it wasn't until really after COVID when I'm literally sitting in my living room and the world has slowed down. I'm having a chance to breathe. And I'm seeing how people are reaching out and they have all these courses. They're doing challenges. And I loved it. And I love the idea of thinking of going and working with other people without mm -hmm. having a license, but, you know, just doing coaching and still having the same effect. So have you uh, seen where a lot of business gurus have popped up and you're trying to, like, you know, get people to pay for X amount of packages or whatever, and the information that they're giving them is misleading and can be potentially dangerous? Are you experiencing that? that as well within your industry? I see some things that I question, mm -hmm. um, but I also know that everybody has a different approach. I'm sure there's somebody out there doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, but they're doing it a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I personally have not run across anybody that I feel is intentionally misleading anyone, but mm -hmm. I, I have heard some information that I may not agree with. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll give you an example. Dave Ramsey, mm -hmm. in my opinion, you know, this put the allegedly badge up. <laughs> but in my opinion, Dave Ramsey um, is more suited towards people that um, receive W-2 income. Mm -hmm. I think my message is for people who are independent contractors, solopreneurs. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's who I think I'm more suited for. And I think that's who my message is for. So, you know, I don't agree with everything he says. I do. I, I have heard some other coaches encourage people to do things that I don't think are legally sound, but mm -hmm. we have a different background. Yeah. So I kind of respect the fact that they're coming from a different angle 
and mm-hmm. but the information is still, in my opinion, incomplete. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I definitely can see that. Big <laughs> ribs. Yeah. So when um, <clears throat> you're putting out the information, and I guess, do you uh, like solicit for clients, or do they just find you? Like, how does that work? What's your process? Well, I have been very blessed. I get a lot of referrals, a bunch of referrals. Um, I started out about a year ago doing challenges about once a month. And Mm -hmm. so I kind of got tired of the challenge. So now I'm working on a digital course that's going to be on demand. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty much a starter course for people to kind of understand the concept. Because Mm -hmm. tell the truth, Andreas, when I say asset protection, what was the first thing that came to your mind? Well, when I'm thinking about like businesses, you know, uh, everything that it owns, I didn't think about, you know, personal assets as well. Um, but I think I'm a little different than you know, most folks. Well, yeah, yeah, you're not the average person. But yeah. people, when I say asset protection, they're kind of scratching their heads. Mm-hmm. And so I'm right now developing a course that's going to, you know, launch in January of 2024 mm-hmm. that basically breaks down the concepts. And the five-week engagement that we talked about, I'm mm-hmm. going to take that five-week engagement and put it into a digital course so that mm-hmm. instead of actually hiring me and paying me that higher fee, you can pay $9.97 and get the same thing versus paying me a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's up? So um, people that are referred to you, when you sit down and you talk to them, I'm sure you have some type of uh, process where you're doing like some type of consultation to get an idea of where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, how receptive are they to the information that you're providing and where you can, you know, help them? I get some people that um, they really don't want to make an investment into themselves because yeah. I do a lot of free stuff. Um, I have a Facebook group. I mm-hmm. do free webinars at least once or twice a month. And mm-hmm. I have a blog. I mean, we have free information, but that's mm-hmm. not going to take you, you know, from yeah. A to B. It's going to take you from like A to D. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, people are very hesitant about investing in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I do get resistance there because, mm-hmm. you know, if you want the great advice, it comes with an investment. So some mm-hmm. people are kind of shy about investing because they don't see the value in some mm-hmm. of the services. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. I uh, so like yeah. So I've been an entrepreneur full time since twenty thirteen. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Entrepreneur since two thousand five. First business, and that's what I've seen over the course of time, especially in our community, where we don't want to invest in ourselves. Like I was before I got out there and really started doing stuff. I was paying people twelve hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars for consultation, and it'd be like for an hour, hour and a half. But I really wanted to lessen that learning curve. Exactly. Um, a lot of people don't get that. I'm like, you know, I'd rather go to somebody who's an expert in their field who can go ahead and tell me the pitfalls so I won't even have to go through them because that's going to save me so much money and time. And I'm like, where is, you know what I'm saying, this initiative where, you know, because we think about we can spend stuff as consumers, but why can't we invest in ourselves, especially when we're trying to do something and get it to a certain level? And I'm like, I was actually having this conversation with uh, a couple of artists the other day and I was telling them that um, a lot of artists treat their craft like a job and not like a career. The difference is with a job, you're just going there to make your money every day. 
you don't really care. With the career, you go to conferences, you go to mm -hmm. industry networks and stuff like that. You really learn the industry and what's coming of the industry and what's going to be next. You go to do uh, professional development courses and stuff like that. You do all of these things to raise your status in the industry. And I'm like, people have to like, you know, stop thinking of it uh, that way. Especially, I, I think if you're in business, um, especially whether you want to just replace your income or if you want to create something where you have an organization that pays other people, you have to stay ahead of the curve in order to see where the industry is going and not to get uh, shell-shocked when something shakes up the industry. Um, but, you know, that's just my <laughs> level of thinking. That's what I've been, you know, prone to. Um, okay, so what are some common mistakes and oversights that entrepreneurs make when it comes to asset protection and how can they be avoided? Okay, so one, updating whatever plan you have. Um, the number one pitfall is not having a plan. Number two is failing to update your plan. Um, because a plan is only as good as, you know, like you said, the most common technology or the updates in the industry. So if you have a digital platform and the last time you put together your comprehensive plan, you were talking about VHS tapes. You know, <laughs> you go back in a day. <laughs> I, I'm just saying people do that. Um, I was a consultant for a political subdivision who uh -huh. I think the last comprehensive plan was either 2001 or 2004. Oh, wow. This was back in 2020. Wow. Okay. But it happens. It happens. It does. Every day. It does. So the number one pitfall is failing to have a plan. Number two, failing to update your plan. Um, mm. And everything else is kind of worked out around that. Because mm -hmm. what I do is kind of like when you go, at least for women, you know, mm -hmm. we for our annual checkups with our OBGYNs. And then as soon as we leave, they schedule another checkup in a year. Mm -hmm. so that's what I do with my clients and my coaching um, folks. It's like, you know, once we're done with the program, mm -hmm. I rotation, if there's, if they're a coaching client, you know, we have like a nurture se sequence for our emails and we mm -hmm. just them as things come up or when the next big re-up is. Mm -hmm. um, if it's my law firm client, I go ahead and schedule an annual appointment with them just to talk about, hey, did you get a divorce? Did you get married? Mm -hmm. um, did you have any grandparents? Yeah. Life altering events. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you have a podcast as well. Uh, what inspired the podcast? And give us the name of the podcast. The podcast is the Play Big Faster podcast. Um, and really what inspired it, my first coach um, really changed the way that I look at this entire knowledge industry. And, mm -hmm. you know, I used to be someone who did not really understand the importance of investing in myself. Now, mm -hmm. I've been doing conferences and continuing education for years because it was mandated. I had a license. I had to go to conferences and, you know, get certain credits to keep mm -hmm. my licenses. But in terms of just really leveling up and doing personal development and things like that, I'm not going to say I didn't see the value, but I didn't set aside anything to do that. Mm -hmm. no. um, so my first coach, we were talking and, you know, I asked him the question, if you can change anything about your life, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And he paused for a moment and he said, when I was younger, 
I would have played big faster because I had the knowledge, but I really didn't have the know-how. I would have been messing myself in my 20s and mm -hmm. done all the things that we're telling people to do now. But he was closer, I think, to 50 when he figured all this out. And he mm -hmm. was like, I would have played big faster. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share with people how to get quantum leaps. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to wait until you're 50 or 40 to do those things because you can invest in yourself now, invest in your children, your grandchildren right now and get bigger and better results. So has your podcast like helped with the business in any type of way or do you see the direct correlation of it? Well, the podcast is still young and mm -hmm. the podcast is not exactly what I do every day. And mm -hmm. you just kind of put that in context. A lot of what happens on the podcast, it is, you know, I do a lot of asset protection, estate planning, business planning, and the mm -hmm. podcast is more lifestyle hacks for entrepreneurs. So mm -hmm. it's not as heavy. People mm -hmm. think that, oh, estate planning is boring, it's heavy, it's tedious. But when you come to the podcast, it's like you get book recommendations. You, mm -hmm. can, you know, figure out how to organize your house better. Things mm -hmm. that actually help you with your life to get that balance. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely, uh, I like that. Uh, I, like I said, I watched one of the videos and I get to watch it all the way through. But one, I love the intro. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I'm loving this. Uh, you know, because most people don't think about the aesthetics of stuff. Um, and how it should be. And I've actually uh, been trimming down my intro because like I had a, a whole minute intro. It's like, uh, you know, everybody else's intro is starting to be 15 to 30 seconds at the most. So I was like, oh, I think I can go ahead and trim my intro. Look, oh my gosh. I was just thinking that like last week, mine, I think it's maybe 30 seconds and mm -hmm. I'm like, it's too long because everybody that I'm watching is like 10 to 15. So mm -hmm. I'm going to trim it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, definitely trim mine and probably go ahead and redo it because uh, I've done it like at least two, three times already now. And I've had my platform since 2016. So, yeah, it, it, it's been a long time. But, you know, it, it's been uh, well worth it um, because I've gotten to meet a lot of people. So how do you how do you get your guests for yours? Um, are you just using, you know, like I said, like PodMatch or... Are people like coming to you or these are people you already know that you've cultivated relationships with and then you're going you're talking about those lifestyle hacks and things of that nature yeah um i would say because right now i think i only have 37 or 38 published episodes um yes. yeah I, yeah i have a bunch that i need to go to the you know cutting room floor and edit them but um a lot of those are relationships that i already had people that i know and love and support what i do and um, just really want to kind of tell their stories. And a few are people that I've met since I've been on my journey since mm -hmm. COVID. And some of the podcast episodes that are going to be coming out soon are just more of those people that I met along the way. Yeah. Do, do you know anything about the podcast stats and stuff? You said about the specs? The, the podcast stats. Oh, stats. Yeah, somewhat. And I mean, I'm not ooh, I'm not a podcaster. It's just part of the platform, what I do to support, you know, my other programs. So the fact that you have 30 something episodes is fantastic because most people don't make it past seven. OK, I'm patting myself on the back. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, do that. Um, but then I think. Uh, 
what was it about this is 2023 around 2022 so it's 2021 data um there's like 4 million podcasts uh, across you know all topics and things of that nature only about two of them two million were on apple and of those two million four hundred thousand they released an episode within the last 90 days and then two hundred thousand they released a episode within the last 10 days so there's not a whole lot of active podcasts out there I think uh, people get into it because, like, it's a hot topic now. Uh, and I saw this coming, like, years ago, uh, which I think is interesting. Like, I did 100 interviews last year where I interviewed 100 guests. And it was a full in-depth interviews, which are, like, 20 to 30 minutes long minimum. And people were like, oh, man, that's a lot. I was like, yeah, I just had a goal that I wanted to accomplish. Um, this year, I've only done, like, 30-something so far. Because uh, I didn't want a lot of that. Because I, I do have other time where I'm focusing on just content creation and stuff like that. Um, but I thought it, you know, it was very interesting that people were jumping into the industry, not really understanding it, um, not being as dedicated and using resources to invest into their podcast like you've done. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. But it's, it's a great tool, though, to utilize and to bring in folks into like you know sales services and all that stuff with itself oh definitely um i've seen some podcasts that literally these people are using to transform their business and like you said promote other products and mm -hmm. it's really i mean as easy as it is to break into it it's mm -hmm. like a brand. i don't know why more people don't take it serious um yeah, yeah. i mean i, I haven't yet um, but you know, eventually, because I'm like, it's still, there's still a whole lot of room to grow. Um, since you're, you, you are putting yourself out there more, you are your own business. And, um, have you gotten to the point to where people have came to you and said, Hey, I've been watching your journey. You inspired me. I went out there and started my business or started doing things that where I wanted to follow my dreams. Now I have not gotten to that point yet to where anybody's just you know, that I did not know. I do mm -hmm. have clients who, you know, come back and be like, wow, thank you for helping me get this up and going. But nobody, you know, I'm still able to go to the grocery store and do my own shopping. I'm not open, <laughs> but I'm working on it. I'm like, the more you do it, the more uh, you'll uh, get there. How um, How is your, uh, your market as far as when it comes to people supporting your business and, you know, with the referrals and stuff like that? Are they receptive to it or do, do a lot of your uh, referrals come from like outside your geographical area? Yeah, definitely outside of my geographical area. Um, they're most of the people that I work with locally because I'm in Mississippi and I'm in central Mississippi where the, the capital city is. So okay. I have a lot of business owners. Mm -hmm. but, is that Jackson? Yeah, well, right outside the suburbs of Jackson, Mississippi, okay. in Flowood. So I get a lot of, you know, law firm clients, but I don't get a lot of coaching clients. Mm -hmm. So, and I've tried in the local market, but the mindset's different. And a lot yeah. of what I do, I have to work on people's mindset about why it's important. Because mm -hmm. if you don't understand why it's important to invest in yourself, you're not mm -hmm. going to, you know, complete the journey. So, okay. So just, you know, from a marketing standpoint, because I love marketing and I have a degree in it and all that stuff. Um, I know you understand marketing with the MBA and other things. You had to do marketing classes. Um, have you thought about taking the information and presenting it in like a, a funny way or a comical type way 
to appeal to the people to have changed the mindset? Okay, so <laughs> not that I'm not funny. You know, I can be funny, but I don't know if I'm the funniest person. Like, you know, if you look at my TikTok account, I think I have one reel. Uh, you know, and I don't know. Do they call them reels on TikTok? I know they call them different stuff in different places. It's all short for anything that's short content or whatever. Okay. I call it a reel anyway. So it's 59 seconds or less. You know, that's a reel to me. Well, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm the funniest person, but I have considered it. Um, one thing that I'm doing, too, I'm enlisting my kids to kind of help me. My mm -hmm. daughter just keeps me young. She's in mm -hmm. college. She's a junior mm -hmm. in college now. And mm -hmm. so, you know, anything social media, she's like, Mom, you got to do this. You got to do that. So mm -hmm. she's kind of helping me along with that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm, uh, I'm going to send you some links to some stuff that I've done. <laughs> and I'm sure you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, I don't know if you can just tell about personality or whatever. I'm naturally always um, energetic and uh, like be funny and stuff like that or whatever. I was a class clown in school and all that. Um, okay, can you uh, walk us through a real life case where your expertise in asset protection made a significant impact on a client's business? Yes. So I have a husband and wife that he's an older gentleman. She's a little bit younger, but they both mm -hmm. came into the marriage with assets. Mm -hmm. So we did a couple different things because they let me know when they came in that there was a threat of a lawsuit against one of their companies. Mm -hmm. So we did a couple different things for their estate plan. One, we set up a trust and it was a joint marital trust for things that they are acquiring during the marriage because they didn't mm -hmm. have a prenup or a postnup. Okay. Um, then we set up separate trust for property that he inherited that was heir property because mm -hmm. he brought children into the marriage and so did she. Mm -hmm. And so we set up a separate trust for her business interests and I was really able to restructure everything they did um, and just kind of look at what they had going in terms of insurance and get things together because they were sued. Now, the mm -hmm. lawsuit came probably like about a year after I started working with them, but they kind of knew that there was an ex-employee who kind of threatened some things mm -hmm. and it really made both of them on paper look judgment proof. Mm -hmm. Like you can sue me, but you're not going to get anything. Yeah. Um, and like one of the techniques I use is called the nursing home technique. Mm -hmm. you know, years ago in Mississippi, before we had tort reform, you would hear about all these multi-million dollar lawsuits where people were suing nursing homes and doctors for malpractice. Mm -hmm. And they do, um, they have all these different entities. So like, just say you're driving down the street and you see a nursing home. Mm -hmm. Well, the building, I'm sorry, the land is owned by one company or a land trust. Okay. And the building is leased to an operating company. Mm -hmm. The operating company does not have any employees. It leases contractors um, from staffing agencies for doctors, nurses, and all those folks. The equipment is purchased through another company. And so mm -hmm. the name of the nursing home is held by an intellectual property company. So if you mm -hmm. sue ABC Nursing Home, you're just suing the name. It has no money. Everything mm -hmm. is a holding company. Mm -hmm. And so I show people how to protect your assets, make you look judgment-proof. It's all mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's just a certain way that you do it and working with your accountant, mm -hmm. it also you also have some tax benefits mm -hmm. because if you're operating at a level that you, mm -hmm. you know, have those mm -hmm. types of threats, then you need to be doing other things with your money. So that's just one example of how I um, use the nursing home model 
to help my clients. Okay, I get that and I love it. Is there a flip side to that coin as far as like, say there is malpractice and it's, uh, you know, severe and it was somebody's, you know what I'm saying, mistake and things of that nature with it being protected the way it's protected. How do the uh, person or persons, how do they remedy the situation? The backup is always insurance. Now, the great thing about being properly protected, you know, some mm. people think, well, I'm just going to go get a million dollars in insurance. Well, that's not the smartest thing to do because you have to pay the premium on a million dollars in insurance. What mm. you do is you protect yourself so that you only have to buy the minimum required insurance. So mm. you see how that gives you more operating capital? Mm-hmm. You're still judgment proof. And if somebody sues you, they just get the insurance because there's nothing else to get. And you look less attractive if you have 250000 versus a million, a million dollar policy. Mm. Well, I, love, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, just, people just think, well, I'm just going to go get all this insurance. Well, who wants to pay those premiums? And they have premium financing companies. But when mm. you reinvest that money into your business instead of paying an insurance company, Exactly. Yeah, because I'm like the insurance is already trillions of dollars anyway. Uh, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh my, yeah. See, you feel the same way I do about insurance, I can tell. And I mean, and I, I think have... it's a sensationalized thing. Um, and that's how the life insurance salespeople, uh, I mean, not life insurance, but the insurance salespeople be getting it. And you know, life insurance too. Um, it was overhyping it. But it is necessary. And one thing that I hear with entrepreneurs that we don't think about, because if you're in a service based business and Mm -hmm. you like the business, what happens if you get sick or hurt? Mm -hmm. You know, what if you are a full time podcaster and Mm -hmm. something happens and you're not able to talk or, you know, record your Mm -hmm. episodes? So you have a long term care plan. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be in an assisted living facility or do you want to be cared for in your home? Mm-hmm. And so I show people how to pay the minimum amount for insurance for the maximum amount of asset mm-hmm. protection and care if something happens to them. Oh, I love it. Oh, is, there, uh, is there anything that we missed? Uh, you know, any pointers that we <laughs> let people know about? Well, I mean, I think you covered a lot of it. Um, but I will tell people, one, get a plan. Mm-hmm. The plan does not have to be perfect. The plan may just be to mm-hmm. visit some of your professionals once a year and get them to advise you. But you really need to make a plan and build a team. Um, oh, yes. One big thing that a lot of people don't think about. And even though I don't give tax advice, here's a pointer that's totally free. Um, you need to understand the difference between a tax preparer and a tax planner. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's listening, raise your hand. How many times have you gotten your taxes done and you have this huge tax bill and you're begging the person that did your taxes? Hey, can you go write off something? Can you do something so I don't have to pay the IRS? Well, that person is likely only a preparer. They Mm -hmm. take what you've done in a previous year and they just make a report so that you can file it. What you need to do is develop a relationship with a tax planner. This Mm -hmm. person looks ahead, Mm -hmm. develops strategies to combat all that. So you're not surprised at the end of the year because you've already done the things that you need to do to get a refund or not to have such a hefty tax burden. So uh, that's one of the big things that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about. They have an accountant or a tax preparer, but not a tax planner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely tell people, yes. Like, go get you your CPA, sit down with your CPA and look ahead because um, they should be able to help you with that. And then even 
when it comes to, you know, tax attorneys and stuff. I actually uh, interviewed a gentleman who uh, did payroll uh, taxes. That's his company. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a very fantastic conversation. But, Ms. Cherie, I appreciate your time tonight, um, you know, coming on. And, well, Siri, I'm not talking to you. Appreciate your time tonight. That's Siri. <laughs> um, <laughs> Siri's going to talk to me, trying to mess up episode. But uh, I appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, so anybody out here is going to be watching this who's in the Mississippi area they want to get in contact or anybody abroad wants to, you know, go down the coaching road, where should they be directed? Okay, so I will tell people, I do a free webinar once or twice a month, and I tell people, start there. It's one hour, um, it's from 12 to 1, Central Standard Time, and I just basically give you that blueprint. So literally, when you finish that free webinar, you have a blueprint. And if you, you know, like what I've been talking about, you have the option of contacting me, you'll get my information, and we can look at some other things. Um, you can find the link to that at www.shereeprince.com. Now, for those of you who are wondering how to spell Sheree, it is S-C-H-E-R-R-I-E, Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E.com. Thank you, Sheree. I appreciate that. Now, I'll definitely have it displayed in the screen as well. So everybody, y'all go out there and y'all support. Y'all make sure you hit up everybody who is knowledgeable in the area. And as always, thank you for supporting Make That Radio Show. Go download the app. To the website, follow the social medias, visit that nature. Thank you, ma'am. Uh, I definitely would love to, like, you know, follow up in the future and see, you know, how things are going. 